and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. Now, today is an exciting day. Yes, our Patreon page is going live. Yes, that's right, guys. Our Patreon page is up. It's going. You guys can check it out at patreon.com slash speakadogcast. Now, for those of you guys unfamiliar with Patreon, it's a wonderful service. It's amazing. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You can check it out. Podcast, uh, 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 video bloggers, all kinds of people use this wonderful service. It's to be able to give you guys even more content. You can go over and check it out again, guys. Patreon.com slash speakadogcast. Uh, there's different levels of subscriptions that give you guys amazing content in return. Uh, we're going to be giving you some great training videos. We're going to be doing a live Zoom call once a month for one of the tiers. So definitely check it out. It's going to be all about training, all about dogs and uh, I would greatly appreciate the support, guys. It's only going to grow further from here. The podcast, the information, all of it. Our YouTube channel is launching later this week. You're going to want to check it out. That's right. So I'm super excited. Again, guys, the Patreon page is really fantastic. Be sure you go over and check it out. Help support me. Help support the podcast. This has been a complete labor of love, and I. it's true. I've loved doing it. I really have loved bringing this amazing uh, show together. It's been so much fun. I feel like I've grown as a trainer, as a person. You know, you guys have told me what a great support system this has been for training your dogs. And I'm so grateful because that's what I want to do. I want to get more information, more training out there. And Patreon is a way to help this all grow, guys. So be sure you head on over, patreon.com slash speakadogcast. Go check it out. Don't forget, you can also follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. And if you guys love what you're hearing, scroll on down click that five-star rating. I would greatly appreciate it. So thank you guys so much for everything again so far. All my listeners, all your support. Continue that support by going on over to patreon.com slash speakadogcast. Now today on the show, extending the stay. We got to talk some training, right? We're going to talk more about extending that stay. It's great that we can get our dogs to stay and you know they listen for a couple seconds. How do you extend it to one minute, three minutes, five minutes, uh, being able to walk out of the room, all these different things that come with extending the stay we'll talk about. Then comes a segment called Stupid Tools. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, guys, I'm gonna be talking, talking about some bad, poor training tools, and oh boy, here comes some honesty for you. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have questions for that listener Q&A, keep them on coming. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to message me on social media. Now, before before we get going with today's show, gotta give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what breed of dog is used as a popular board game piece in the game Monopoly? Yes, what breed of dogs is used as a piece in the popular board game Monopoly? Monopoly. I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, extending the stay. How do you get your dog to stay and continue to do so for as long as, well, as long as you want them to? It can be a process, just like anything in training. I mean, honestly, I think all of training is just that. Training is a, is a process. It's a step-by-step building block, uh, building blocks that get us to the to the end result of getting a dog to stay, getting a dog to do what you want them to do on command. Uh, training is always a process, and people don't like to hear that. People think training is this overnight magical fix, and it's just not the case. 
Okay, so when we talk about training a stay and then extending the stay, it's kind of two different things. I mean, it is. Uh, it's just like any behavior. In order to extend the behavior, you have to be consistent with it and you have to know what to reinforce and strengthen, right? And, and for that matter, what to, to punish and redirect or punish and decrease and weaken a behavior, okay? So when we talk about a stay, it's sort of a multi-step process, as is anything with training. Uh, training is always a process, guys. It's never, never overnight, okay? So let's talk about the basic steps. We're gonna, we're gonna break it down on what it takes to extend the stay. And let's just start with what do I mean by an extended stay. What does an extended stay, uh, how, what, what, what defines an extended stay? So an extended stay in my book is your dog will stay put until you release them. It's that simple. They continue to stay until you tell them not to. Doesn't matter if you go out of sight, doesn't matter if you're in the next room, um, it doesn't matter if they hear something, see something. An extended stay means your dog will stay put until you tell them not to you release them okay and so there are important okay so so that's that's what it is and so how do we get there well like i said it's a process let's talk about that process now my dog uh colby jack that i used to have he was a golden retriever he was amazing one in a million what an awesome dog loved him and he lived a nice long wonderful life until a year and a half ago um you know he got up there in age and colby jack was just a model student for the most part, <laughs> all around. I mean, he was. He was such a good boy. And there was one thing I could always count on him for, and that was the stay. Uh, when I took him to appointments and I worked with other dogs, I could put him in a sit and stay. And look, 98, 99% of the time, sit, lie down, whatever, stay. Uh, I'd tell him to stay, and he'd stay put. He wouldn't move. He was so fantastic. It allowed me to take other dogs and maybe either dogs that have uh, that, that react poorly to other dogs, Um maybe overexcited dogs, maybe just puppies who don't know what to do. And it allowed me to do that work because my my pup, my buddy, he knew that stay so well. Not only that, one other thing I love to do with him is, uh, you know, years ago when I spent a bit more time setting up a table and advertising it like a pet store and things like that, we used to go to this uh, one local pet smart, in, or excuse me, uh, pet supermarket in my area. And I think that's more of a Southern store for you Northern. I'm not sure. I don't know if they have pet supermarkets up North. I think that's a sort of Southern uh, pet store, but we had a great local pet supermarket and I would set up a table there and uh, look, I mean, halfway through, I, I would set up my table, get everything ready and be like, oh geez, I forgot to buy, I forgot to bring my bag of treats today. Colby, sit, lie down, stay. I'd walk away from him in the store. I'd go down a couple aisles away, grab my bag of treats, go to the counter, check out, come back and he'd still be there. Didn't matter if other dogs walked by, he would just stay there. He was so awesome. Uh, and I will say, guys, the stay did not happen overnight. It didn't. And the stay is not something I just train um, on its own. What do I mean by that? A stay is something you can incorporate into everyday training and strengthen. And the more you strengthen a stay, no matter if it's 5, 10, 30 seconds, the more you strengthen a stay in different areas of your dog's be, uh, training in, in, in throughout the day, the easier it's going to be to extend the stay, okay? So in order to extend the stay, we have to start with a regular old stay, right? So how do we get a dog to stay? And this is what I'm talking about. You have multiple opportunities to practice the stay throughout the day. So let's just start there. What are the opportunities? How about, like, let's say if we're still crating our dog, here's a great opportunity to practice the stay, guys. Before I let a dog out of the crate, I like to get them in a sit and a stay. And then I go to slowly open the door, right? To make sure they're staying. And if they don't stay, what do I do? I close the door, put them back into a sit. 
And we're actually teaching them to stay, right? Stay put by just being able to utilize something like a barrier, like a crate, like a physical uh, constraint like that. It's fantastic. It's a great opportunity to teach your dog to stay. Okay, it also allows me to teach them to stay to be able to reach in and then leash them up inside the crate, teaching them to stay when they're leashed up, when you're getting them leashed up rather, right? So there's two opportunities right there, opening the door to the crate and then teaching them to stay while they're leashed up, okay? So how do we teach a stay? I mean, right there, boom, guys, two different ways. I can use the crate door as a physical means. If my dog pops up out of the sit and stay, out of the stay, I shut the crate door and we go back to sit. Good, stay, try to open the door a little bit again. They pop up, door goes back shut. Nope, sit, stay, right? Okay, that's the most basic way to start teaching a stay right there. It's awesome, it's easy, it's simple. If you crate your dog, it's something you're going to do at least once a day, at least once a day when you let your dog out of the crate in the morning, but most likely you'll have at least two opportunities, right? If you're gonna go to work or when the dog's gonna be crate, you gotta go to the store, gotta go to the grocery store. You're gonna throw your dog in a crate. How many opportunities do you have to start practicing that stay? Bunches, okay? How about another one? Guess what? We let him out of the crate. What do we do when we go out of the, get him out of the crate? We take him outside, don't we? Here's another opportunity. Hey buddy, sit, stay. We open the front door. We're already teaching a stay again, okay? So this is where extending the stay starts, guys, because you can you can extend the stay with the crate door, right? At first, it's only gonna be maybe five or 10 seconds of a stay I'm gonna get, especially with a new puppy, but we can start extending that to having the door wide open and the dog keeps staying. Then I can extend it to you sit in the crate for a minute before I let you out. All of a sudden, we're already working on extending the stay right there. That Look, that is such an important note to make. It's so important right there, guys. Think about that. Like, take a moment and think about that. You can practice extending the stay in the crate. You're already doing it. It's already happening. (laughs) You have to do literally nothing extra but make your dog sit there an extra 30 seconds to a minute. We don't take that opportunity and think, everybody just goes, oh, good, they're staying. Five seconds later, boom. All right, we're going to release them out of the crate. Guess what? We put them in the crate the next night, the next morning. Oh, look at that. They're sitting, they're staying, they're being good. Five seconds. All right, we let them out. This is an opportunity you could take to start extending the stay, and most people miss out on it. Take that opportunity at the crate at the front door. Sometimes it's going to be 10 seconds we're going to wait at the front door before we go out. Sometimes it's going to be three minutes before I let you out. If you can start extending the stay on a leash right there, but it makes it so much easier once the leash leash disappears and we start extending the stay uh, in other areas. So this is what I'm talking about right here. Be proactive about starting to extend the stay before you're even trying to extend the stay, right? Like, ah, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, because think about it, a crate, uh, when you're leashing them up to take them out, these things create a more controlled environment. And when we can create more control, it actually allows our dogs to learn faster. The more black and white, well, the dog knows I'm in a crate, I'm not going anywhere. Every time I pop up, the door shuts. Every time I relax, the door opens. Oh, wait, now we've done this like four or five times. I'm realizing if I just stay here, the door stays open. Oh, look at that. I'm realizing if I keep staying, the guy gives me a treat. Oh, look at that. If I keep staying, he leashes me up and then lets me out of the crate and gives me more treats. Look at that. All I gotta do is just sit here and keep staying and this guy keeps telling me good boy and feeding me and giving me affection. This is awesome. Why wouldn't I wanna keep staying? See, like, their brains aren't going that in depth, right? But I'm giving you the humanized version uh, for us to understand at least. 
I'm not humanizing. All right, distinct is a line. <laughs> okay, but I want you guys to understand that. I want you to think about that example of the dogs are processing to some degree. This works for me, this doesn't. This gets me something, this doesn't. Well, why wouldn't I want to stick around and keep staying? See? Okay, so just by utilizing the crate and the front door, we're already extending the staying. Guys, how far into this segment are we already? And we haven't even gotten to like walking out of the room. That's my point. Keep it simple. Keep it basic. Find these opportunities to extend your stay. Okay? Sounds like a hotel commercial. Extend your stay. <laughs> All right. So now, now that we've got the stay already working for us, we're already doing it. We're already in it. We're already awesome. Let's incorporate a spot command. Place. Station training. Whatever you want to call it. Right? It's a dog bed, it's a reference point. This is a wonderful way to start teaching a stay because your dog is going to learn easier, faster with that reference point of a sit and a spot to stay on, right? So I like to create that dog bed and that way then when they hop off of it, it's easy to understand, hey, no, we go right back onto it. That little step up onto the dog bed, that little reference point for your dog is gonna help them learn faster. So we're not gonna get into how to train the spot today because there's plenty of segments about that, guys. It's pretty, I mean, look, I'll, I'll say it in a nutshell. You leash them up, you guide them over and say, go spot the second they put their feet on the bed, you say, good boy, and give them a treat. There it is, that's how you train a place, a spot command. Uh, now, once we get them on the spot, we say, stay. This is something people miss out on too. We get them on the spot, we feed them, we go, yay, we don't really worry about the stay happening. This is an important thing to incorporate. Once, once they start understanding, my feet go on here, I get the treat, let's do a sit and stay. Good stay, give them a treat. Remind them and stay again. Good stay. Good boy, good. Give them a treat again. Remind them to stay, okay? Start with 10 to 15 seconds of getting them to stay, walking in, giving them a treat. After they eat the treat, remind them to stay again, back away, tell them, good, good boy. Move in, give them a treat. After they eat the treat, remind them to stay. Okay, get 10 to 15 seconds of that, and then we're going to release them. All right, this is why the release word is an important aspect. Now again, guys, we've already been working on this in the crate. We've already been working on this at the front door. How about feeding time? Hadn't talked about that one. There's a third opportunity to be sit, stay, put down the food bowl. Good, good boy. Stay, good boy, and then releasing. All right, um, okay. So it's important that you see these steps. We have to, our dog has to know a, a sit. It's important. It's a nice neutral position for them to understand that's in, in reference to stay. They have to learn the stay, and then they have to learn that release word, okay? So again, dog bed, go spot, go place, good place, stay, good boy, good, good stay, okay? Start with just that 10 seconds and then, all right, release them off the dog bed, say, good boy. Then we just extend it. Okay, I know, this is easy. it sounds easy. It is, this is the easy part. With you still in the room, with you still there, this is the easy part. We start extending it. Once your dog is at a point where they can stay for a good 20, 30, 40 seconds, then I might start good stay, moving around a little bit, walking around the dog bed, reminding them to stay so they understand the movement is not a trigger to pop up and be released, okay? Move away from them, good, stay, move back in, feed, good, good boy, okay? Once they're done with the treat, remind them, stay, back away, start moving around again the dog bed. This is how we start extending the stay. We start adding, adding in more variables, such as me moving around and realizing just because I'm moving around doesn't mean you get up. Then the next variable will be, I'm gonna back out of the room. Now, the first time you back out of the room, don't expect them to stay, guys, if they don't know it, they may not. They may, they may stay, and that's wonderful. Um, 
but you're gonna back out of, you're just kinda gonna go around the corner from a wall for only five seconds and then come back around. If they stayed, hey, good stay, give them a treat, good boy, and then release them, okay? The, the extending the stay out of the room um, you know, needs to happen once your dog is at a good 40 seconds staying on their own, okay? Then we pop out of the room for only split five seconds or so at most, and we come back around the corner and reward it. You're gonna only start with disappearing, right? Disappearing out of sight from them for only five seconds at a time for the first, I mean, let's say six or seven exercises, routines that we run through this. You're going to wanna keep it simplistic, and you're going to wanna keep it short when you leave the room, all right? Then you start extending it. Okay, we, we, we've reinforced, we've strengthened, we've had multiple sessions of me just leaving the room, coming back, leaving the room, coming back. Now we're gonna leave the room and leave for a good 20 seconds. Should work. If you've strengthened it, it should work, right? Uh, now look, every dog is a little different. Every dog is going to learn at a different speed. So this is the part that your dog might start having trouble with. Usually getting a spa to stay when you're in the room moving around, usually that's not the hard part. The hard part is once the owner disappears and disappears for an extended period of time, okay? This can be trickier. So have patience. That's what I'm trying to say. Have patience with this next step here, the disappearing out of sight. This could take a couple weeks for your dog to be totally cool with you disappearing for a minute or two or three, okay? That can take some time. Now, interesting little story here. Years and years and years ago, this was quite a while ago. Uh, my gosh, how many years ago? I think this was, we actually had only, we only had Penny and Colby and just recently, no, we didn't even have, that's right, we didn't even have Fred yet. We only had Penny and Colby, but I had, uh, I worked with these other dogs at this animal show and we brought them home at night with us. And so my other two dogs were there too and they were very well-trained dogs. Uh, I didn't originally, well, I, well, no, I didn't originally train even, even, uh, even my other, my gold, my other golden buddy, who he was, oh, what a good dog. Anyway, point is, four dogs, guys. I had put them in a sit and stay for dinner time. Um, I totally got distracted by something, and this was a long time ago. I don't, I don't even remember the last time I've done this. I got distracted by something and I walked away. Had them in a sit and stay, food bowl sitting in front of them, I walked away. And I mean, it was a good 20 minutes, easily. And I came back after 20 minutes and all four of those dogs were still sitting there, still waiting. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, all right, go, you know, eat your food, man. I kind of felt bad. I uh, didn't mean to do that on them, but that is how well that is how well that behavior was strengthened, okay? They understood, I don't move until you release me. And it wasn't a big deal. It's not like I heard their feelings. They were perfectly fine, guys. Um, you know, they're dogs. They were just, they were like, oh, great, I got my food. Um, they loved it, <laughs> okay? And that's just it. If you strengthen this correctly, okay? If you strengthen this correctly and you learn to break it down for your dog, they need to learn to sit they need to learn what the stay command means. Then they need to learn a release word. Those are three very important things of the uh, uh, for extending the stay. And I can tell you right now, if your dogs don't have those three things conditioned very well, it's gonna be hard to extend the stay because extending a stay is more than your dog knowing a stay. And the spot command, you know, I even kind of forgot the fourth one in there, the spot, the place, the station training, that's a very important aspect of it too because it gives your dog that reference point to actually stay on, right? To physically stay on. Um, it has to start there, that's where it begins. Then, right, if we start getting really good at this at home, let's start going out to other places carefully, responsibly, <laughs> okay? You're in a pet store, we're in one of the aisles, and again, this is, this is 
your dog needs to be well behaved. Your dog needs to know a leave it, a drop it, all those fun commands. Your dog needs to know how to listen, know how to ignore treats and distractions because you are in a pet store. Find the least distracting aisle, guys. It's tough. Uh, maybe like the reptile aisles are a little less distracting than the dog treat aisles, right? Okay, go over there with your dog. Put them in a sit and stay and just walk down to the end of the aisle. Take it slowly, only walk five feet away at first. Don't, don't you know, take baby steps. Drop that leash so it's within reach. Let's be responsible. Keep a hand on your shoulders, guys. Do not do this if you have not worked on this at home extensively, all right? Um, so put your dog in a sit, stay, and back away from them and walk down the aisle. I love to be able to put my dogs in a sit, stay. My client dogs, when I'm at the pet store, I wanna put them in a sit, I wanna put them in a stay, and I wanna be able to look at the stuff I need to, pick up the big giant bag of dog food and throw over my shoulder that I gotta grab. I need to be able to do that and know my dog isn't gonna run away from me. Great place to practice this out in public with a lot of distractions, guys, but be smart about it. Home Depot, Lowe's, two other great stores that you can safely take your dogs to, safely if they're well-trained, and start practicing these things, okay? So this is how we start extending the stay. We start doing it in strange places. Go to your uh, your parents' house, your in-laws' house, your boyfriend's house, your different locales that are, that are going to be safe, uh, to be able to test this out and truly see how well your dog knows that stay command, okay? Um, but that's what it takes, guys. It takes practice. It takes practicing this and doing it over and over and over and creating that consistency. So let's just kind of recap, guys. The stay command is going to start very basic and very simple. It's going to start when you're letting your dog out of the crate. It's going to start when you're going in and out of the house with a sit, a stay, being able to open the door to the crate or the house and know that they're going to stay, this is just a five, 10 second thing to start with. Then we build it up to staying for a minute, maybe even longer. We can also take this exercise and apply it to feeding time. Sit, stay, bowl goes down. They have to wait until we release them, okay? If you start working the extension of the stay here, it makes it so much easier once we do it over there, <laughs> anywhere, okay? That's where it's going to begin. Make sure your dog understands a sit, make sure they understand a stay, and make sure they understand the release word. My release word is, all right, that means we're done, okay? That means I ask you to sit and stay, you continue to do it until I release you. Your dog must understand those things, very black and white, uh, for you to gain success for this, from this, okay? Then we're going to start extending our stays at the door at the crate with feeding time, one minute, two minutes. Then we start taking it to a dog bed. We teach our dog a spot, a station, uh, whatever you want to call it, okay? A place command. We're going to teach our dog that place command very well. Sit, stay, being able to back away from them, walk around the dog bed, so that way movement, things like that, aren't going to trigger your dog. Once again, starting with only 10 or 20 seconds on the dog bed, releasing them. Then we build it up to a minute, two minute, three minutes, so on and so forth. Then comes the extension of the stay. This is the hard part, going out of sight from your dog, leaving the room. It only starts with disappearing for only maybe five seconds at a time, then coming right back. We're going to rinse and repeat this for like six, seven, maybe even eight sessions, but that looks like uh, a week or two of work. It looks like a week or two of work. Only five seconds, maybe 10, disappearing out of sight for those first six to eight sessions. Then after that, we can start thinking about extending it. Look, I had mentioned, if your dog does get up off the spot, no big deal, guys. They should be leashed up already. If we're training and we're working with training, guys, gotta leash up your dogs. You're just gonna pick up the leash and guide them back to that dog bed. Put them on the bed. Say, hey, no. Pick up the leash. Guide them to the bed. Go spot. Good. Sit. Stay. Try it again. Okay? Uh, don't make a big deal if your dog gets off the bed and doesn't want to stay. You may battle them a little bit. They may get a little frustrated, a little stubborn because they're not figuring it out. They may start popping off the bed a little bit. 
Just be persistent and be consistent. Put them back. Don't make it a big deal. Don't get mad at them and just keep reinforcing them staying on the bed. Okay. Again, start with that five seconds disappearing out of the room. Then we can start extending it to 20, 30, minute, two, three minutes, so on and so forth. If you get really good at it at home, and this is tons and tons of practice, weeks and weeks of practice, conditioning, strengthening, you feel like your dog knows that stay, then you're going to take it elsewhere. Go to mom and dad's house, in-law's house, boyfriend, girlfriend, friends. Go elsewhere to practice this. Then we're going to take it to the pet store, Lowe's, Home Depot, extending it, making sure there's we're, we're introducing these different variables, these different triggers, and your dog knows no matter what to keep staying. Okay? Seriously, guys, baby steps. Rome wasn't built in the day and neither was good dog behavior. Don't be discouraged if you're measuring your progress in little minimal amounts. Guys, it, that's what training is sometimes. Like I hate to people hate hearing this, but it's the truth. Um, I, I learned this the hard way when I worked at an animal show and you would rinse and repeat this stuff and you were working with birds, dogs, cats, owls, pigs, otters, you name it, right? And you would hit a wall. You'd hit a wall in your training and you'd feel like you're just not getting it. But you kept pushing through. You kept working with the animal, trying to understand them a little more. Um, and it's amazing with that persistence and that consistency, the results you can get. So hang in there. Take those baby steps and get working on extending that stay. Tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak a dog cast, stupid tools. Okay, so I have to admit what sparked this segment today was my recent experience out at a public park walking dogs. And look, if you've listened to my podcast before, it's been a while since I've complained about it, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> but if you've listened to my podcast before, you may have heard my gripes about people out in public with their dogs that are not on leash. Now look, I don't know where you live and everywhere is a little different, right? Different states, different cities, different municipalities. Everywhere can have different rules on leash laws and what is required of a dog owner. But here in the state of Florida, every dog owner is required to leash up their dogs when they are not on private property. It's that simple. You're not on somebody's private property. You're not in a dog park that's enclosed. Your dog, 100% of the time, must be on a leash. There's no ifs, ands, buts, because, but I wanted to do this, but I'm training. The, it doesn't matter. The, the, the law doesn't distinguish, oh, well, you're training off-leash training, so it's okay. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, unfortunately, I, you know, this, I didn't make these laws. I personally agree with the laws because people are so irresponsible. Um, so what started it today was an experience I had the other day. I'm out and I, I'm out in this park and I love this park. It's a wonderful park. It's huge. It has hiking trails everywhere. They go for miles and miles. It's fantastic. The downside of the park is that there 
our dogs off leash uncontrolled there every single time I go. And look, I've met people at the park, other dog owners that are unfortunately on the butt end of this stuff. And some of them have had some really bad experiences to the point that they've literally been bit by other dogs. Okay, this is why dogs need to be leashed up. It's that simple. So the other day, thank goodness, my experience was nothing quite that bad. Um, Not even close, thank goodness. But I came across a gentleman. I'm walking, I see him in the distance, I see his dog, and I can clearly see his dog's off leash. And it looks like he's going to grab the dog and leash it up, right? And you can see he's doing it. So I'm like, okay, I'll I'll keep walking towards him. (laughs) Keep walking towards him. And then for some reason, he decides he's not going to leash up the dog, and he actually has the dog at his side, and he takes his hands off the dog, and he's giving the dog a stay command. And it lasts about three and a half seconds until the dog just bolts. Now look, this guy's easily in his early 70s. He has no business having a dog this spry to begin with, number one, in my opinion. Um, and the dog comes right at us and comes bolting, and he's stay, stay. And then he pulls out his little contraption, his little training tool, and he starts beeping at the dog. Beep, 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 beep. No, stay. Beep, 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 beep. No, stay. Beep, 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 beep. How many out there want to think that this worked? Anybody think this worked? Anybody? The beeping and the... Didn't work. Dog didn't give a crap. Dog's not listening. It's coming around us. And I can't, I can't help it anymore, guys. Sometimes I'm a little smart with people. Because he's not apologizing. He's not even... He, I, I don't exist to him. Me and my dog, we don't even exist to him in this moment. <laughs> like, screw us, right? Um, I can't help it. My smart self, I look at him, I said, you know what would solve this? You know what would solve this situation real fast is a leash. <laughs> nothing. No response from him. No apology. Nothing. And it's just, guys, I'm so tired of it. And thank goodness I had all good, you know, well-behaved dogs and no no, dog, no reactionary dogs. And look, I, I, first of all, I hear that argument, right? I hear the argument of, you shouldn't be bringing a reactionary dog out to the public. Guys, how do you ever fix a dog who reacts if you can't ever take it out in public and fix the problems? Okay, that, that's a different story for another day. Um, <laughs> but again, guys, it's like, why should why should I have to forfeit my training because of this dummy who wants to rely on this stupid tool? All right, and so there's the first, there, 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 that's, what, that's what started this segment. And first, we're gonna start with the dumbest tool out there. Are you guys ready for what the stupidest training tool is Anywhere in this world, you ready for what the dumbest training tool is? You ready? <laughs> These guys are making noise, sorry. Uh, the dumbest training tool in the world is people. <laughs> Some of you may have seen that coming. Yeah, the stupidest training tool in the world is human beings, aren't we? Because guys, we have every beautiful, wonderful, simplistic training tool at our disposal. We have all, I mean, at our fingertips nowadays, how much information do we have right there at our hands? We can understand the terms of psychology, and, and most people choose not to. We, choo- we choose to rely on these cheap, gimmicky, piece-of-crap training tools. So I think people are tools. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm also not. Um, so there it is. I think people are the biggest problem. We get in our own ways of training our dogs, and so we are the worst training tool out there. But if we want to start talking about training tools themselves, which is what we're going to get into... There are so many. Look, I can here. Here's here. We can just handle this segment today. You ready for it? You ready? I can tell you what training tools you should use, and therefore all the other ones are crap. <laughs> okay. Look, uh, I, I, since since we were on the topic of the beeping, you know, those of you unfamiliar, these are collars that beep. Now, th- a lot of these collars beep and shock. However, you have the choice whether to beep and not use the shocking part. Um, 
and so what, what they've attempted to do is they're attempting to pair a command with the beep, which kind of blows my mind that they're trying to pair a beep and a command. It's like, dude, do you realize by saying stay or come or whatever you're saying, it's no different than using the beeper. Guys, it's just a sound to the dog. It's just a noise. The only reason you might want to use a collar with a beeper is maybe you're a hunter and your dog gets a good distance away from you and can't hear your voice anymore. And that's where something like a beep being used as a recall train correctly can be a good tool. But in the wrong hands, it's a terrible training tool. Because the reality is, again, at least in the state of Florida, you're not going to be on public property. You're not going to be out in public and have your dog more than six feet away from you because, well... That's what the law requires, a six-foot leash or less, okay? That's what, I don't understand the runaway leashes and how that's okay in this state, but that's a story for a different day. Speaking of runaway leashes, talk about the worst training tool in the world. Number one worst training tool out there is the runaway extendable leash. Guys, it's dangerous. They're bad. I've seen them snap. I've seen them just completely come apart. Um, how about the fact that they can easily come out of your hand? David, they have a handle. Guys, I see runaway leashes fall out of people's hands way more than I do any other leash, okay? So, nope. Um, <laughs> all right. They're really bad guys. They're really dangerous. You're just forfeiting control. And the worst thing you can do with your dog, especially if you're in the training process is forfeit that control. So the last thing I want to do is grab a tool that's going to, um, just, just take away all that control that we could potentially have. And we're choosing not to. Okay. Not to mention, I don't need to tell the story of one time. Uh, I had a guy back when I lived in Orlando who was just mean person, uh, just not a nice guy, and he walked a very dangerous German Shepherd on a runaway leash, and there'd be times there's a wall, and he'd come around, the dog would come around the corner, I'm walking on the sidewalk, I come to this corner where this wall is, and the dog comes around the corner, and the guy's nowhere to be seen. This dog was dangerous, guys, like, this dog could have hurt somebody, um, and he's treating it like it's nothing because of this runaway leash, so runaway leashes are terrible tools, and you gotta get rid of it. stupid tool, get rid of it. <laughs> Okay. Um, how about clickers? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, you know, this is what I like. I'm shooting off the hip with this segment. I really am. I'll admit it. We're just, I'm rallying them off here. Uh, clicker training. Guys, the reason clickers are a dumb tool for training with dogs is because you already have a clicker. You know what it is? It's because saying good boy. When you say good boy, you're attempting to bridge a behavior. You mean, we're not going to get into the concept of what a bridge is today. But that's the point. You're attempting to bridge a behavior. And a clicker is the exact same thing. It just clicks. You pair it with a treat or with reinforcement or whatever. You, you pair that stimulus the exact same way you pair a good dog or good boy or good girl and you don't even realize it. Uh, this is why I don't like the clickers, guys. Once again, stupid training tool. You don't need it for dog training. And my biggest gripe is what happens when you don't have the clicker and you need it? What? Same thing with the beeping collars and those remotes. And Look, let's not get into shot collars. Shot collars are a terrible tool. I don't like them either. Uh, I know some people swear by them. You'll hear trainers go, David, if you use properly, look, to each his own, I, I guess. Not me, okay? I'm not using a shot collar. I don't see the need for it. Um, I think you can make corrections with prong collars and choke collars. And, you know, if you really need, a, if you've got a big dog like that, okay? So I just don't see the need for it. And the, here again, here's my gripe. What happens when you don't have the remote in your hand and you need it? What happens when the batteries are dead and you need it to not be? These are the problems with stupid training tools. Guys, we as human beings think about like, I really, can we please put on our critical thinking hats for a moment? It's done right on the head. Okay. Let's think about this. Help me out here, guys. Please stay with me and think critical thinking. 
We trained dogs as human beings for thousands upon thousands. We literally did the entire domestication process of dogs for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years without the use of shot collars, perimeter fences, harnesses, uh, uh, clickers, uh, remote training, anything electronic using to be training a dog. Guys, we did it success beyond successfully. Beyond, to the point of we trained these dogs out of a necessity for survival. And I got news for you. If you're training something on the basis that you have to eat and survive, you're going to train that thing real well. <laughs> you're going to figure it out and you're going to make it happen. So for thousands of years, we trained dogs as a matter of human survival without all these crazy BS, stupid, gimmicky, crappy tools. And we did Better than we're doing, not just fine. We didn't do, just do, we actually did a better job of training those dogs. And again, let's not get into the whole argument of how dogs were treated. Guys, behaviorally, training-wise, they, they succeeded. If they didn't, dogs wouldn't still be around. There's the proof, okay? Uh, we did something right, and we did it very right for a long time to the point that we actually have dogs in, 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 a, in an evolutionary period of where they are. And it's all thank you to what we did with dogs without all these training tools. Do you, do you see my point here? If you think about that critically and you go, damn, David, you got a point. We didn't need all this crap and we successfully trained dogs for thousands of years. Huh. Maybe I don't need that pee pad. Oh, get rid of the pee pads. A horrible training tool, guys. They're awful. We didn't have them for a long time. David, we didn't have high rises. Sure. Uh, they're, uh, look, guys, disclaimer, right? Here's this disclaimer. There is almost always an exception for all of these tools, I'm telling you. Almost always, there is a reason. There is a use for these tools. There was a re These tools were all created out of necessity. A runaway leash, for example. If you have a bomb-sniffing dog, if you have a dog you need to be given, you need to give them a certain amount of freedom, but not total freedom, there's your tool, okay? Look, I get it. Some of you go, David, I want to let my dog sniff where we have this field, but I don't want to let him get off it. Fine. That's when you pop on the extendable leash, when there's nobody else around, when it's safe, and when it's a better option to keep your dog contained. I get that. But the reality is 99% of you aren't going to have that, aren't going to need that. So you see what I'm getting at here is all these tools do have their specific use, but majority of you, vast majority of you, and vast majority of the time, and I'm talking like literally 98% of the time, you're not going to need any of these stupid training tools, guys. <laughs> Some tools were not created just because they're great. Some were created just because we live in a capitalistic society where selling stuff sells, right? Like, duh. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, but you guys should do your research on what works and what doesn't, because that's the reality. If people stopped buying all these crappy tools, they would stop making all these crappy tools. Ugh, golly. Well, David, they sell it, so it must work. No. Have you guys ever seen, as seen on TV, ever seen that before? All of these really crappy products continue getting sold year after year, time after time. Why? Because people keep buying them, not because they're great. <laughs> like, oh my God, appliances. I mean, let's talk about, I know this isn't dog related, but a little side note. How many freaking appliances have I been through in the few houses I've owned 
Um, even here, I mean, how quickly we went through this washer. We just had a brand new washer. I get I put a little more stress on a washer than the average owner. But guys, that saying, they don't make them like they used to, it's true. But guess what? We all have to buy them out of necessity. So even though they're crappier than they were 30 years ago, we continue buying them, don't we? So sometimes it's out of necessity, sometimes stupidity. But that's the point. Supply and demand. So if people keep buying crappy dog tools, they're going to keep selling them. All right? Oh, man, I should have given you the warning I was going to jump on the soapbox today. But guys, every time I walk into a pet pet store now, I feel like there's just this brand new magical wave your magic wand training tool. It's going to fix all your problems. And it's just not the way it works. And unfortunately, it makes my job harder when people think it's that easy. And it's just not. It's just not. So put a head on your shoulders and think about this. We have successfully trained dogs for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years without any of these ridiculous, silly training tools, and we did it well. So why do we need them now? Certain tools, sure. Martingale collar is an improvement upon a slip collar, but it's very basic still. It's still very basic, and it very much relies on the basic instinctual principles that a dog lives by. Ah, So there can be improvements to some of these tools, but the majority of them, guys, they're just stupid training tools. Next on Speaky Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about Bill Clinton. Now, Bill Clinton, he was the 42nd president of the United States, serving from 1993 to 2001. Now, he's known for being the governor of Arkansas prior to his presidency, and he was the third youngest president to serve. And of course, he's also known for the infamous sex scandal that came to define his second term of his presidency. Now, when the Clinton family moved into the White House, they only had brought one pet with them, and it was perhaps one of the most iconic and famous presidential pets Socks the cat. <laughs> yes, he found himself in a love affair with the American public. He was referenced all over pop culture. Uh, there was actually an episode of the TV show Murphy Brown where the star of the show unintentionally kidnapped Socks from the White House. Yes, now Super Nintendo and Sega even ended up developing a video game around him. Now, while the game was never released, it did feature the cat having to circumnavigate obstacles like spies and corrupt politicians <laughs> to warn the Clintons of nuclear threat. <laughs> there was even a cartoon, a book, uh, a song. There was Muppets emulating him. The country really went nuts. Look, I was a little kid when Clinton got in the uh, White House, but I, I, I remember socks. I mean, I do. He was everywhere. He was being made fun of. And, I mean, not made fun of, but, you know, lightly mocked in that sense. And I remember, I think even SNL did a whole skit about him. I mean, it was, it was like a craze. Uh, there was even a t-shirt <laughs> at one point with a picture of socks and a caption that read, I love it, I tried catnip once, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> <laughs> Socks also happened to be a very curious and loving cat. He enjoyed being social sitting in the Oval Office or even just right outside of it. He also liked hanging out in the office of Betty Curie. She was the president's secretary. Now, Socks would often accompany Mrs. Clinton to hospitals and charity events, greeting children and senior citizens, which of course everybody loved, including Socks apparently. Now, he was an only pet until 1997 when the Clintons added a chocolate lab puppy named Buddy. 
Apparently Socks didn't like Buddy. No. <laughs> right from the start, the relationship never took off. Now, the two could not actually, they, they couldn't even be left alone together because Buddy would actually attempt to play with Socks and then Socks would end up just hiding under some furniture. Uh, didn't really work. So because of this tumultuous relationship between the two of them, when the Clintons left the White House in 2001, they decided to leave Socks with Betty Curie, President's secretary, and her husband who lived in Maryland. Now, Socks continued to actually make some public appearances in support of animal charities, and he lived to the ripe old age of 20, now passing away in 2009. Now, Buddy continued living with the Clintons until, unfortunately, one day in 2002, Buddy was chasing a contractor playfully into the street, when, yeah, sadly, he was hit by a car and passed away. Uh, later that year, though, the Clintons did get a second chocolate lab, and they named him Seamus. The answer to today's trivia question, what breed of dog is used as a game piece in the popular board game Monopoly? It's the Scottish Terrier. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Scott from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Scott asks, I just got a new puppy and it's my first dog. I have been reading books, listening to podcasts, and working hard to try to make sure his behavior gets off on the right foot. Overall, I think he's doing pretty well. But he does eat very fast. He doesn't even chew it and he has thrown the food back up twice. How can I get him to slow down? Good question, Scott. Uh, Scott, <laughs> thanks for the question. Yeah, look, there's a couple ways we can go about this. Well, really two that I like to do. The first is a slow feed bowl. You might have seen these at the pet stores. They're available at all the pet stores, Amazon, Chewy, everybody's got them. It's a plastic bowl, and basically it's got these little uh, valleys, right, that the food can go into, and there's, there's separations, and so it separates all the kibbles. And so the dog actually has to kind of almost root around for the food and lick and use its tongue and nose. And this slows down eating tremendously. It really does. It does a fantastic job. Now, I have found, especially if you have a puppy, if you start on a slow feed now and you do it for a long time, a lot of times, even most of the time with puppies, they end up slowing down so much over the course of maybe even a few months of eating, it slows them down so that it almost becomes habitual to eat that slow. And then eventually you can tra uh, train them to go back to a regular bowl and away from the slow feed bowl. At the same time, if your dog is a fast eater, they can eat from a slow feed bowl the rest of their life and it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It'll slow them down, it'll help digestion. Uh, they'll probably start to chew the kibble a little bit. So there's nothing wrong with always using a slow feed bowl. If you wanna go about it from the changing the actual pattern, um, like I said, look, changing the actual pattern as a puppy, a lot of times just using the slow feed bowl will take care of that and slow it down and it changes the pattern. Even with adult dogs, I find less with adult dogs that that happens. Um, but what you can do is you can actually leash up your dog for feeding time, okay? Leash up your puppy and only allow them to get a couple bites and pull them away, let them chew, okay? Then let them go back, then pull away, then let them chew, then let them, and that way you're actually slowing down, physically slowing down the process, teaching them to chew each kibble. Now look, I'll be honest, this is a slow process. This can take weeks, if not months, to really slow them down. I've done it before, it, it's, it's, you know, you can do it. Some dogs pick up on it pretty quick and they understand you want them to slow down. And if you create that habit of slowing and chewing and eating, slowing and chewing, it does become habitual over time. The other thing is sometimes puppies are just downright hungry and so they tend to really want to wolf it down. And that's why I almost, with a puppy, I recommend going the slow feed bowl route because it tends to work itself out uh, over the course of months on its own. So slow feed bowl, 
that's the way to go. That's my preferred choice to deal with the, something like this. Uh, try that out and see how it goes. Next question. This comes from Sasha from Plantation, Florida. Sasha says, my vet tells me I should be brushing my dog's teeth at least once per week or more. I think that sounds crazy. <laughs> How often do you brush your dog's teeth and is it something I should be doing regularly? Fantastic question, Sasha. Look, the reality is who brushes their dog's teeth multiple times a week? I mean, I'm sure there's a few people that do, but wow. Um, Kudos to you, hats off to you. I don't know how you do it. Look, I got four dogs, and oftentimes I've got other dogs here that we're doing things and taking care of. And I, I, brushing a dog's teeth is one of these things where it's like, yeah, I really wish we all had time to do it. And, and it is, it is important that we keep up with dental health. That's the thing. So, look, if you have the time to invest in brushing your dog's teeth, yeah, once a week is great. Any more than that, I'd be wow, like incredible, unbelievable. Um, most people don't. It's just the cold, hard truth. Most people do not brush their dog's teeth. Uh, but what we can do is there's these great, you know, dental sticks, dentist sticks, uh, um, greenies. There's all these wonderful different solutions for getting some of that tartar buildup off your dog's teeth. Look, you can talk to your vet too. Ask your vet. Maybe your vet has other ways. My vet has a veterinarian has other recommendations for there's different things. We supplements, all kinds of things that there's all kinds of amazing modern ways uh, to deal with tartar buildup. One of the best ways though, is just getting a regular dental, having your dog get a regular dental. Look, there's holistic dental. There's all different kinds of dental you can look into and get out there. Um, but that's one of the biggest ones, making sure you're getting at least two visits a year to your veterinarian, right? I, I, that's what, that's what most vets will recommend. It's twice a year, a six month checkup and then a yearly checkup, right? And the yearly is when we get all our shots as well, but it's good to get them in there at least twice a year for your vet looking at them. Teeth can go quickly in smaller dogs, so it's important you're on top of it. So that's the point. If you get a dental once a year, if you got your, your, your vet going into their teeth at least twice a year, that's fantastic. And we can make sure we get on top of it. But dentals, look, dentals are the best way to stay on top of your dog's um, uh, uh, teeth health, <laughs> the health of their teeth. Now, like with that said, depending on the size of your dog, small breeds, something like a chihuahua, when they have really small mouths like that, the teeth can go faster and it's something you got to stay, try to stay on top of a little more. I will, I will admit, I will say that. So yeah, should you be brushing your dog's teeth? Yes, you should. Are you actually going to do it? No. So as long as you're making regular vet visits, you're checking your dog's teeth, you know, get your dog comfortable with, with putting your hands in their mouth so you can check out their teeth. Look, even one of my guys, Nemo, he's young and spry and healthy. He had a bad tooth. He had a dead tooth. It was a bad tooth and it happens sometimes. Uh, and luckily we got that thing removed because he goes, gets regular vet visits. It was time for his dental. It was perfect. Uh, we were able to take it out and I can tell he's much happier once we got that thing out. I, I couldn't have felt good. Um, so look, no, you don't need to brush your dog's teeth multiple times a week. Once a week would be amazing and that would be incredible. What I do recommend is making sure you're checking your dog's teeth regularly, checking their, the health of their mouth, and of course making sure you're at least getting two vet visits every year, getting that dental done yearly or as needed um, to make sure you're keeping up with the best health. Look, we all know it, guys. Dental health for ourselves and includes our pets. It's very important for overall health. It's from the brain down to the toes. You know what I'm saying? This controls everything. Your mouth is, is a lot. It's going to be for your heart health, your brain health, and it's the same for your dogs. So make sure you're on top of it. Don't need to brush obsessively, uh, but keeping your dog's teeth healthy is definitely going to go a long way toward their longevity and quality of life. 
that's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to subscribe to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash speakadogcast to keep up with all the latest and greatest content. You can follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Our YouTube channel is launching later this week. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Oh,